Hi everyone, and welcome to the Victus podcast. I'm your host, Carly Culver. In this podcast, we bring together our friends, colleagues, and experts from across the world to discuss what it means to be part of the 21st century connected global workforce. So the big topic of the day is why have we, Victus, decided to start a podcast? As part of our daily work, we encounter and think about a wide range of topics, from international recruitment to ethical technology design to sustainability. So we wanted to create a place where we can learn more about all of these things from people in the know and then share the results with you. Throughout the course of the series, we'll be talking to people all over the world and asking difficult questions that allow us to come together as a global network and hopefully inspire people to keep growing and learning. So we're here today with Victor CEO and founder Ben Clayson to talk more about Victus and how the company got started. So welcome, Ben. Hello. Um, so yeah, let's start there. So what inspired you to start Victus? Um, I think it, it came about because uh, Andrew, the co-founder and myself, were um, seeing things being done around the world in the work that we were doing, which was a combination of education, training and uh, security type work. Um, and we felt that there was an opportunity for things to be improved upon. Um, there was some frustration around the fact that things couldn't be changed as quickly as we wanted. And also we were hearing sort of messages from other parts of the world. I remember attending an event where uh, Rory Stewart, the Tory MP, was speaking and he was talking specifically about the UK's sort of presence on the international stage. And he was talking about some of the limitations that the Foreign and Commonwealth Office had in relation to what they could and couldn't do around the world because they're busy doing one thing, they can't necessarily do everything else. He spoke specifically about how uh, members of the FCO were able to move around more than they historically were and so you had less kind of opportunity to develop expertise about a particular part of the world. And that this was having an effect and there's there were just opportunities there that we could see for working internationally, working globally in a very kind of productive, very operational manner. And uh, so we decided that we would start a business, a company, something to try and, yeah, take advantage of that opportunity and try and build something that was really um, going to be really meaningful. Okay, so when you first started the company, did you know what it was going to be or was it simply you wanted to build on those ideas? Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the interesting questions really because um, I think that even now, Victus in terms of, you know, people in business tend to say that you should have a plan and that you must have a plan and that everything should be uh, completely designed from day one and that's not necessarily something that we subscribe to. So... I don't think we knew exactly what Victus would be when we started it. And I think that that's kind of reflective of something that's still there, which is that Victus is more of an idea, more of a concept than um, than whatever form it takes on any given day. Victus is kind of built on an ideal of global cooperation and global work and um, finding, identifying and seizing opportunities and sharing them so that we can all benefit. And that is something that's still very much kind of front and center with everything that we're thinking about all of the time. What are you bringing to the table here? What, what were your connections? What were your skills? So I'm ex-army. I was in the British army for 12 years. I served all over the world. 
Um, I was really, really lucky. I was able to train in really interesting places everywhere from the Falkland Islands to the Middle East. And I had a really good experience with the military of being able to have adventures and um, find opportunities with the friends and colleagues that you make. And I was also able to um, do a lot of training and sort of education within the army and sort of change my life for the better by applying myself to something that um, something that was, yeah, profound and that had a bigger purpose than just my own sort of gratification. So I reached the point where I felt like um, I had kind of, well, I wanted to move on from the military experience, uh, which is when I started Victus. But yeah, my work took me all over the world. I spent a lot of time in the Middle East. Uh, I studied Arabic. That experience was really transformative because um, I was able to go to a part of the world where there had been a really substantial communication barrier and kind of having the experience of transcending that and then suddenly being able to communicate freely with so many people from such a diverse kind of part of the world um, and to really sort of be absorbed into it and to kind of see the or have a first-hand experience of the commonalities that we share with um, people who live very different lives to us was really interesting and still is and so that again was something that we wanted to try and incorporate into the future of our careers and our work. Okay, so how how has that been incorporated into where Victus is in 2021? So Victus is a very globally facing company. Everything that we're doing all of the time and, and from day one is designed to be kind of global at scale. Um, so we are deliberately adaptive. Adaptability is something that we really kind of consider one of the um, essential and core strengths of Victus. So all of our people are required to be very adaptable. All of the technology that we build and use is designed to be extremely adaptable and to have kind of multi-roles. And it goes back to an idea of something being a kind of force multiplier. So one person doing one person's work in one particular way, it has a certain value attached to it. However, if that person can do their work in a way that has a kind of force multiplier attached to it, so maybe they're using a really effective tool or a really effective methodology, then they create more value, not just for the company, but for also for themselves and for the other people that they're working with and for their customers. And so those are the kind of the concepts we try and build into the company's working sort of methodologies. And then we try to, I suppose, export them to the members of our global network so that they can then be delivering these all over the world. And, you know, now we're working in 160 countries with thousands of people and our work is legitimately helping thousands of people every month to um, access better opportunities for themselves to kind of improve their lives which is great. Absolutely so tell me more about this Victus Global Network what kind of people are included in it? Yeah, so the Victus Global Network is a group of several thousand people who I think in terms of, you know, the kind of person or the kind of people that we have in the group, the network, it's really all to do with attitude. Um, the company has a, a an ethos, which is based around four core values of honesty, integrity, professionalism and courage. 
I think that sometimes I look at the ethos and I think, are we oversimplifying things here? Are we being a bit reductionist? Are we suggesting that, um, you know, that's really all you need to think about in terms of life and professionalism? And of course, that's not really the case. Um, life's more complicated than that, for sure. But because of life's complications, sometimes it's really useful to have a very straightforward point of reference that you can turn to for an instantaneous kind of guidance in terms of a decision or a thought process that you're having. And so for us in Invictus, whether you're a member of the global network or whether you're um, an executive, having a common kind of framework that you can refer to is really, really useful. So we have those four values built into the company ethos. And then what we look for in terms of people who are going to join the network potentially is, um, well, really people who value the same things that we value, people who are interested in uh, identifying and making the most of opportunities, people who are interested in helping other people, people who value diversity and uh, who want to try and work against inequality and people who yeah, have a very kind of international and global focus and people who enjoy being part of a kind of connected global workforce in the 21st century. How, how do you find these people? Good question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, our recruitment team are very active. We have uh, a very busy sort of recruitment training and selection process. Um, so not everybody can join the Victus Global Network. Um, we have to identify people who have the right skill set and attitude. And, yeah, we recruit all the time from all over the world. We use different methods. We use standard advertising. We also get quite a lot of recommendations from members of the network. Um, who will bring friends and family mm. in with them. And yeah, people come to us because they hear about what we're doing, which is really good. So you mentioned that we operate across, uh, you know, more than 160 countries now across the globe. What are the what are the challenges of doing that, especially in a kind of, you know, in, in the modern environment? Yeah, so the most um, obvious one at the minute is uh, time differences. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's no getting away from that and there's no way of cheating the system. Yeah, time zones will always present a challenge. However, technology is, uh, you know, definitely there that helps manage that. It's very interesting trying to juggle um, the kind of geographical divisions between people and operations. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's certainly a significant factor is intercultural communication and cross-cultural um, sort of, yeah, different ideas and working practices. However, that's something that we kind of consider to be just part of our normal business so that really isn't too difficult what kind of cultural differences do you sort of um, encounter communication it's sort of expectations around communication people um, you know I, I hate the idea of kind of generalizing um, of but there is a tendency from different nations and the same applies to the UK as as it does to any other and people you do see that people from different countries tend to communicate in slightly different ways and so that's something that if you're going to be working in a different location or on a particular region of the world you have to be very aware of so that you can ensure that um, that critical ingredient to operational success which is good communication mm -hmm. actually occurs otherwise things can fall apart I've got a question for you. So why did you want to uh, join Victus? Why did I want to join Victus? I've been very fortunate during my career as well to travel to a lot of places, work with a lot of people internationally. So I think I hold similar 
similar values to to the company in terms of I enjoy collaborating with people from different places with different viewpoints and different experiences to mine and adapting the way I work and learning from them to be able to incorporate that in what I do I love communicating obviously that's a huge part of the job that I do now and yeah the main thing about working for Victor specifically is I really believe in yeah like I said I believe in the messages wholeheartedly in my personal life so being able to incorporate that into my professional life as well is great as far as I'm concerned it makes it feel less like work and more just like you know collaborating with people who like the same things as I do and want the same things as I do, which is access to opportunity for everybody, regardless of where they are, what their economic background is, what their educational background is. Yeah, I think that ties in really well with, um, you know, when we're talking about the concept behind Victus and um, the kind of philosophy, if you like. One of my sort of, one of my favourite books is a book by a chap called Samuel Smiles. And it was published in 1859, and he lived in Leeds. Um, He was originally Scottish. He was a doctor, um, but he moved down here. And um, his book's fantastic. It's absolutely brilliantly written. um, And the book's called Self-Help with Illustrations of Character. And it's arguably the first (laughs) self-help title. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's the case. And the book is entirely full of examples of people from Samuel Smiles' era who took it upon themselves to uh, learn things and practice things, develop skills, and to educate themselves um, entirely in the pursuit of self-betterment and opportunity, creating opportunity not just for themselves, but in finding and creating opportunities and it's it's kind of it's almost relentlessly positive it's several hundred pages of positive messaging in which he repeatedly explains to people that you can do things that you want to do by committing to them by engaging with them and uh, by being positive about it and the same thing applies with uh, another one of my favorite books which is mastery by robert green in which he talks effectively about the kind of apprenticeship model and about how mm-hmm. people historically became fantastic at whatever it is they want to do by putting the hours in. And there's no escaping it. There's no getting away from the fact that, you know, if you want to be really good, if you want to find those opportunities, you have to commit to things and you have to be positive in your approach to them. And so in terms of how that, you know, works uh, for our company, we really um, are just taking those ideas and expressing them at a kind of global scale. Mm-hmm. And we're asking people to join in and help us to to try and sort of achieve that so that we as a group can benefit. And so, as I say, it's kind of, you know, where Victus is on one day and where it's going the next is kind of um, informed by that rather than us creating a very strict plan and trying to stick to that in the face of a very rapidly changing world as we've seen in the past uh, kind of 12 months plus yeah how how have the last 12 months affected the business yeah so the lockdowns have had quite a well obviously a very significant effect on economies all over the world we've been quite lucky at victus we've been able to uh, work through the pandemic um, the the global nature of our business means that we had different locations working at different times, but the impact was very, very serious um, and still is. You know, we um, have been able to kind of um, carry on working because we have our sort of decentralized networked 
kind of way of working. We refer to it as adaptive human networking. And that means that we can carry on working in different countries and we're not really negatively impacted by things like border restrictions and travel uh, conditions. Um, so that's been quite good in terms of helping our global workforce to carry on working and to make sure that the work we do in education, which has a lot of um, high stakes examination work involved in it, that's been able to continue, which is good because we're working in uh, essential services, including medicine and mm -hmm. utilities and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's. Um, I think that um, in the next... 12 to 18 months education and personal development are going to be uh, even more important for individuals around the world. Um, and so I you know, very much hope we'll be able to carry on supporting them with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the effect on the global job market is going to be significant for many years to come, I think. So um, yeah, anything we can do as a business to enable people to like I said, move themselves out of difficult situations is, is great as far as I'm concerned. Yeah wanted to talk to you about technology because obviously technology is something that we use to be able to as you mentioned enable all of these operations that happen globally what's what's our approach to technology yeah so we uh, take a very straightforward approach really in terms of building technology um, building software and so on for our people to use it's very our design process is very person-centric we want to make tools that are really useful to the people who use them I have a friend who is a builder. Um, he likes to lay bricks and um, he does not like using cheap, nasty trowels for doing his bricklaying. He likes to use good trowels and it makes total sense because we all know that in a kitchen, a good sharp knife is better than a an old blunt knife. Mm -hmm. And so the tools don't need to be overly complex. And one thing we try very hard to do is to make sure that whatever we provide to our people all over the world, um, they are designed to be very user-friendly and to um, things like language barriers that we discussed earlier are, are kind of uh, incorporated in so that people can understand what we're talking about through our platforms and users from all over the world are able to access the tools easily. So it's very user-centric, but at the same time, deceptively simple. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the global scale, we have to make sure that we have built-in resilience. Um, so cloud-based services are very good and you have to make sure that security is very tight and yeah, accessibility, deployability. We have um, apps at the moment which are accessible in markets which are um, traditionally restricted. So they're available in places like Somalia and Iran mm -hmm. uh, because we we want to make sure that those opportunities for education and self-betterment are accessible from wherever you are on the planet because we don't think that people should be at a disadvantage just because of where they are. And so, yeah, that's that's the kind of, the design process is informed by what people need rather than what the developers think that they should put into um, a, a piece of software. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we have discussions often about the kind of ethics that goes into technology design. And, you know, like I said, we've discussed how, for example, apps should be for their purpose and not be distracting people from other parts of their lives. We want it to be utilitarian as well as easily function, you know, as well as having a simple function. Um, yeah, I think ethical design is very important. I think the kind of increasing scrutiny on, um, you know, everyday technology that we see like Facebook and um, uh, well, I mean, the Facebook subsidiaries now, but mm -hmm. Instagram and WhatsApp and these things that are designed to 
appeal to people's base emotions and then to exploit them in order to sell people's attention is it's really counter to um, the kind of victor's perspective on life. It's not what we want to do and we, well, we won't do it, but it's also, yeah, it's damaging. It has a damaging effect on people's mental health. Um, it makes people question their place in the world and it distracts people from doing something more productive, which is a real shame. And so, yeah, we very much take that kind of ethical design into account when we're thinking about any project that we're doing at all. So is there anywhere at the moment that Victus doesn't operate or is there anything that Victus doesn't do? <laughs> yeah, we don't. Well, I don't know. There's nowhere that we won't work. Um, we're quite happy working anywhere. However, we will not work for despots and for tyrannical regimes and we will not involve ourselves in anything that we consider to be unethical or immoral so we will not involve ourselves in um, arms dealing or work for asbestos companies or um, anything that is going to have a an awful kind of or a significant negative effect on humanity okay because as a business um you kind of mentioned earlier that profit necessary isn't necessarily the biggest driver for the business is that correct yeah um i mean profit for profit's sake seems really uh, vacuous to me and there's not really any point um in companies only existing to serve shareholders the enron catastrophe from the 90s is a really really good example of exactly how that can go wrong yeah um and there have been a lot of very recent examples too we would discussing the other day i think it's rudig natova the um founder of the one coin ponzi scheme oh, yes um so you know that's a an example of an incredibly successful business insofar as that's what you know it achieved achieved massive success in terms of selling what it was selling to so many people all over the world when really what it was selling was snake oil just imaginary nonsense um, and they managed to convince people to hand over significant if not all of their life savings to people who only want to take that money the companies exist to generate profits and you know we see as well with companies even in the uk large really large companies who um, generate massive profits and who then export those profits overseas into bank accounts where they won't pay tax into the uk economy these things are just having a really limited positive effect for society at large and um, i think it's very short-sighted and i think that one thing that we wanted to try and prioritize with Victus and we you know we think about a lot is the legacy and kind of longevity of the company and its activities we are not trying to just create something that uh, disappears we want to be able to kind of hand the baton on to somebody else to uh, to carry on and I think that's why a company that's founded on principles and a philosophy actually has more potential for doing that than something that's just founded on the idea of generating profits. So you've told me before that the business is very inspired by the sort of industrialists of old, especially because we are located here in Leeds. I think that, um, you know, whilst it would be silly to pretend that there were no faults with the Industrial Revolution, certainly uh, pollution and so on are real things that we are now experiencing the effects of. But looking at Leeds and other cities in the north of England um, and seeing how this kind of model was exported globally as well, um, you can see that there used to be uh, a principle or an idea from a lot of kind of companies which was to try and build a community around a company 
and to try and pass benefits from the company's activities into that community to try and support people through their working careers. And so we saw, yeah, you see that a lot in Leeds with um, Castleton Mill, for example, where our office is based. Um, but you see it all along the Leeds Liverpool Canal, um, these large mills and factories which supported entire communities. And then, you know, that, like I say, was very much something that was exported overseas um, into different companies. And I think that, yeah, the, the times have kind of changed and um, it's that kind of having, it's the tr considerations of a company's um, potential benefits for the local community are really important. And so it's not just, uh, for Victus rather, it's not just our local community here in Leeds that we consider. It's about the positive effects that we can have on local communities in the kind of areas in which our members of our global network live. So if we're able to provide an economic opportunity to somebody who lives in I know some part of India or somewhere in Malaysia or China, then that's really good because we can pass the benefits of the work that we're doing here onto them. And the effect comes back to us because we're able to deliver a global service, which then benefits, um, you know, the service end users. But yeah, we want um, people to benefit more than simply into uh, financial terms from working with Victus. Working with people of the world must mean you have to have a lot of trust in them how do you define that and how do we build trust in people that we can't necessarily meet with face to face i don't know how do we build trust in anyone it's a question i asked myself so what what factors do we do we consider all kinds of things but if you think about how you build trust with somebody on a personal basis um the answer is through time and through a strange sort of process of testing things i'm sure that um Psychologists will have written endless books about mm -hmm. this, but um, I think when you're developing a relationship with someone of any type, um, there's a sort of test and adjust type process that you go through. And over the course of time, you become more and more comfortable with someone and you realize, you know, you, you sort of, you build from your first impressions and initial expectations. Uh, you can build a sense of trust with someone, but, Regardless, you're always going to end up in a situation where you have to make a decision about whether or not you actually are willing to put your trust into someone else. Mm -hmm. And there is always a level of risk associated with doing so. So, yeah, we just try and take those things into consideration um, with our people around the world. We, like I said earlier, we have um, quite a strict recruitment and training and selection process that the members of our global network have to go through. And if they're able to and they're willing to demonstrate their sort of commitment to the work that we're trying to do, then we will get to a point where we are happy and willing to put trust in them and to take the gamble effectively to see if they will live up to what they've said and to uh, to help us. And I guess it works both ways as well, right? They have to build trust in us as well. You know, we're a, just an unnamed company floating in the ether if they see a job at, at Better Bars, for example. And then it's really up to us as a company to show that they can trust us to support them into deliver what we're asking them to do. Absolutely. I remember in uh, 20, was that 2016, perhaps, uh, we needed to recruit somebody um, overseas and uh, we were yeah short notice for one of our very early jobs um, didn't have anyone in this particular location because it really is in the middle of nowhere so we were headhunting on Facebook effectively and looking for somebody that we thought looked like a potentially <laughs> likely candidate based on their social media presence and 
So we found somebody, we contacted him, and I remember sending him messages saying, hello, um, we need to do some work in your town where there are hardly any people. You know, we've seen that you've done this and we, we've seen that you've, you know, your education is um, at this sort of level. And so, you know, is this something that you'd be interested in? Um, and of course, the first thing he said was, is this a scam? I mean, absolutely. You can understand why, uh, you know, there are several stories of things like you mentioned, the Bitcoin, the OneCoin scandal earlier. They very much focused on uh, Central Africa, for example. So you can see why if we're contacting people out of the blue, they yep. might have doubts, right? Absolutely. And uh, to be honest, I found it quite reassuring that he asked that because if he hadn't, then I would have been quite worried. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, so yeah, we're asking them to put their faith in us and to do um, whatever the sort of taskings are that we've sent to them. I think it's we're lucky now that we have um, a few years of history behind us because we have a good reputation that we can point people towards um, and that's growing all of the time. But to be honest, you know, you're still going to be stuck with people who are skeptical about, um, you know, how they're going to be treated by an employer or by an international organization, just because there are so many horror stories around. And so it's interesting for us as a company, because we're struggling with this legacy of bad behavior from that's been conducted by other companies, other organizations, people that we've no connection to mm. whatsoever. And I think that's a challenge that globally everybody has to kind of try and adjust to is this sort of you know where where should you go with your level of skepticism because there is so much um without wanting to quote anyone in particular there's so much fake news there are so many things in social media that aren't true and aren't correct and yet there are so many things that are so how do people how are they able to differentiate between what's correct and what isn't? The answer, I think, is probably it takes time and it takes effort. Mm -hmm. um, and so for individuals and for companies like us, we can we can do everything that we can to try and make sure that the narrative that we present to the world is, is coherent because I think the coherence is um, – something that people pick up on and they realize that the you know basically the dots connect that's what we're looking for in in terms of how we engage with other people or other organizations do the dots connect because if there are disconnects then that suggests something's mm -hmm. amiss so yeah it takes time and um, an effort and then but yeah ultimately there is no getting away from the fact that like jumping off a really high diving board at some point you have to kind of do it um yes and so mm -hmm. Yeah, so we build trust and and then we effectively say, yep, we're happy with this, so we'll take that chance. And of course, for us as an organization, we always put backup plans in place. Mm -hmm. um, That's the military background coming in, right? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as we have some... Uh, cover like that then it's uh, well it seems to work well great and to be honest that's that's also a big reason why we've chosen to start this podcast right it's because we want to be able to give the people that we work with a deeper understanding of the sort of ethos that we have as a company to yep. show them the faces and voices I guess behind Victus that they might not know about yeah it's exactly <laughs> that trying to give people the opportunity to understand on a deeper level um, what the company's focused on and you know what the values are that really sort of drive us every single day. Um, there are so many different methods for us now to spread that message that um, that's, yeah, why we want to do this. Great. And hopefully this will give an opportunity for people to kind of learn about some interesting things that are 
maybe not obviously 100% related to Victus, but hopefully once we dive into the episodes, they'll realise that, yeah, it's definitely something that is 100% relevant to them as a member of the VGN or as someone who is interested in global working and internationalism and all of the things that we yeah. are. So this episode is somewhat skewed towards Victus and about yes. what we're about. Um, but the, yeah, the podcast is going to feature interviews with people who are experts in their fields in terms of yeah content, well, uh, topics that are very relevant to what we're doing. Yeah, the kind of people that I've spoken about before. Yeah, we're going to be looking at topics that we think um, will be interesting and beneficial to people who are members of our global network, but also a wider audience. Things like technology in the 21st century um, and how it applies to the global workplace. Things like multiculturalism, globalization, you know, economics, looking at how we can make the best of opportunities and how we can address a lot of the challenges that we're experiencing at this particular kind of point in time. Mm -hmm. So I guess my final question is, if our discussion has inspired someone to get involved in Victus, how do they do that? The thing to do is to reach out and get in touch with us. Yeah, We can't find people unless they help us find them. Mm -hmm. um, we want to hear from people who think like we do. We want to connect with those people around the world who are genuinely interested in uh, generating value and creating opportunity for themselves and for others and who, people who want to be part of a really genuinely connected global team of people. So the way to do that is to look on our website and get one of the email addresses and get in touch with us through email. Let us know who you are, where you are, uh, what you're interested in. We do have a recruitment um, in email inbox. Um, however, yeah, in the interests of sort of generalization and communications, um, if you go to our website, you'll find the most up-to-date information on there. But uh, yeah, that's the thing is um, get in touch with us one way or another through social media or through the website or through email so that we can start a discussion with you. And if you're in an area where we don't have any work or opportunities at the minute, then we are working all over the world, not just um, kind of localized, but also remotely. And we, um, yeah, we need more connections, more people. The team is, yeah, made stronger by the addition of new people who think in similar ways to us and so we'd be really pleased to hear from you excellent well thank you very much ben no problem you're welcome so as people and specifically the victus global network are central to victus it's only fitting that today we speak to one of our global colleagues about their work so Anna Silva has been in the network for nearly a year and she comes to us today from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. So hi, Anna. Hello. How are you? I'm great, thanks. And you? Excellent. I'm very well. So I thought we would start today. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, about where you live. Okay. So I live in Campos Goitacas, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And... I work as an English teacher, also a Spanish teacher, and I, I also work to the Brazilian government. Okay. And I'm graduating this year in international trade. So also amongst all of those other roles, you obviously work with us here at Victus. So how did you get involved with Victus? What attracted you? Well, I was contacted by LinkedIn. The person who sent me a message was Mark. Uh, he offered me a job opportunity in Campus Goitacazes. Then I started to to apply for the job, 
and then it was in April. And then in May, I started the training and everything, then a shadow session. And then in July, I performed my first session. Okay, excellent. And and uh, is that typical for, for people to approach yourself with work opportunities? A little bit. Is that, do you think that's because you are multilingual or is that, is that unusual um, amongst yourself and your colleagues in Brazil? She, when, when I was a kid, my mother, my first language was French. Okay. She started uh, teaching me French. And then when I was 11, I started to study English. And then later I started to study Spanish. And then I'm trying now to, to start a new language. And now I believe I'm going to start to learn uh, German. So it's not very, uh, very usual here in Brazil uh, to, to study or to be polyglot, as we say in Brazil, mm -hmm. because of that. Because the works, they don't demand this from us. And so it's kind of a personal thing that we'd like to achieve. But now uh, the world is globalized and these characteristics uh, have been asked for us in a lot of jobs. So now it's more common to speak more than one idiom in Brazil. So tell me more about living and working in Brazil. Is it, is it hard to find a job generally? Like what's, what's the job market like there? Yes, especially in this time we have been living in. But uh, in Brazil, it's not so easy to find good jobs. Most of jobs, of jobs are in education or in oil and gas industry in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And when we have some international problem about oil, so... We have a lot of people losing their jobs. Sometimes they graduate uh, in college looking for this kind of jobs and then they don't have a lot of opportunities so they get unemployed. So uh, education was the most common. Now engineering as well, but education is our top five is the number one. Okay, and obviously that's something that you're involved in as well. Yes, I love education. I love working as a teacher. I also work uh, in a school. And, um, and it's not the part of high school, but elementary school. So. Okay. So you mentioned that the types of industries and jobs that are becoming available in Brazil are changing. Do you see that's um, a trend with younger people as well, the younger people that you teach maybe? I believe. Uh, now we have different jobs in and different courses in university as well that we have never heard about before. And this new generation, uh, especially in design or engineering, they have different fields that I have never heard about. Sometimes they, when we speak, oh, I didn't know about that, that we can work or you can study these at university. Mm -hmm. uh, because for, um, for age here in Brazil, Education and engineering or being a lawyer was the most common jobs. But with this new demanding of the this uh, global world that we have been living in, uh, it is demanding different fields, uh, even of the common jobs. Mm -hmm. So obviously you work with the Victus team who are based over here in the UK. What's it like working with people who are, you know, thousands of miles away from you? Well, for me, it's amazing because I love working with uh, everyone in Victus. I have been have contact with uh, different people 
at first it was a challenge for me because it was my first international uh, company that I have been working with. Mm-hmm. I, I admire a lot the company. I admire a lot everybody. So for me, I feel really happy and comfortable working with uh, everybody. Yeah, everybody's so kind and supportive, and you always have a solution for any problem that we have. So it's a, a great company. Okay, so if you were giving some tips or advice to people or younger people that are looking to, you know, get work internationally or maybe move to another country to get work, what advice would you give them? Well, first uh, to to see the culture, the habits of the country, of the people, and especially when we are in in different um, parts of the ocean, we check the time, we check the location because we we have this um, difference in time. So maybe if you don't pay attention on that, we can get in trouble or or to ruin mm-hmm. uh, a, a session, for example. So to really pay attention on the time, on the location, and especially the culture, the habits. And in Brazil, people <laughs> sometimes uh, are so reckless and they need to be more formal sometimes and they are not so we okay. need to check this no I think I think that's great advice um have you ever have you noticed anything else different culturally between you know the people that you work with um locally to you versus the people you maybe work with with Victus yes uh these that I noticed you're always so kind and so polite and sometimes here people are just more informal but it's not in a, in a bad way that I'm saying, in a good way. Because at work, we, we need to perform, of course. And sometimes here, they are not so. So thinking about maybe five years in the future, what kind of other opportunities would you like to see for people like yourself working in Brazil um, in terms of careers and industries and things like that? I believe to always improve studies because um, the world is changing. It changes every day, so we need to be with everything ready to the challenge that we are going to face in the future. And what, um, how do you feel the adoption of technology has changed the way you work with people? Well, I believe it's amazing because technology is a way, right? It's never the end, but it's the way. So one year ago, I, I could never imagine that I could deliver uh, an, an exam in Doha, Qatar, or in the United States. Mm-hmm. So this technology uh, that we have nowadays is connecting us in a blink. I believe that the bad thing is what the the technology can give us. So we are connected. It looks like you are beside someone that is in another part of the world. I think that's great advice. Thank you. Okay, well, that's everything I think we need to go through today. Thank you ever so much again to our guest, Anna. So thanks to all of our guests today. And if you feel inspired to join us in our journey, then please subscribe to the Victus podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with anyone who you think might enjoy listening. We'd appreciate it if you let us know what you think in the reviews. And if you want to view a transcript of today's podcast, then please visit victus.co.uk slash blog.